Hey everyone, this is uh, Marcus Guevara. Welcome to Thirsting for Truth Live, episode 27, which is titled, Are Video Games Bad for Kids? I have a uh, one of my friends and resident gaming expert, or gaming connoisseur, and uh, his name is Ian Dunwa. Ian, you want to say hello to everybody? Hey everybody. Um, I, I just, I'm a gaming enthusiast. I like gaming enthusiasts. Right. My fault. I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not necessarily that great, though. I don't know what a connoisseur is, really. To be honest, let's see. <laughs> That's alright. Oh, no. There is a connoisseur. It's connoisseur. How do I spell connoisseur? C O N N I E S E E S E U R. Totally. Almost right. Right. Kind of wrong. See. Oh, wrong. Yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, it's more like connotation. That's like champion sixth grade. <laughs> That's a long time ago, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like connotation, C-O-N-N-O, and then almost what you had at the end, I-S-S-E-U-R. Anyway, it's an expert judge in matters of taste. Hey, that that's you could be a gaming connoisseur, right? If if you have good taste in games, I would think. Yeah, me, Why not? me, me and the gaming community have disagreements. You know, I'm not big into shooters. I, I am horrible at shooters, so I stay away from shooters. So that does not necessarily mean I stay away from all shooters, but I yeah. Well, uh, that is something that I think we're going to probably talk a little bit about. We'll get there. Um, yeah. So the so the show is uh, called "Are Video Games Bad for Kids?" Uh, I invited you on the show because you and I have had some some conversations about video games and its relationship to faith. You know, and uh, I, I want a little bit of your insight into how you. Uh, you know, deal with video games in your household with your kids. Uh, we have kids that are similar ages, um, so I think we can both kind of you know bounce some of those things right. off of each other. Um, but before we get started, I always like to make announcements. Um, my cat, new kind of a new cat, sleeping here, right here on the chair next to me. Uh, oh, so I, we finished This Is Us season one. And uh, I'm into season two now, and that's that's kind of an announcement. And to be honest with you, this is actually a fantastic show. Um, I heard everybody saying, talking about the show, you got to watch it. This is us. And uh, I actually I saw everybody on Facebook posting about it, and I just I don't know whatever. It, I it, it wasn't a thing that ever really seemed to uh, you know people reach out to me. Um, and then one day we were just kind of like looking for something to watch, and we saw the first episode. And afterwards, we were just looking at the TV like, whoa, what did we just watch? The show is that good, to be honest. It is a, it's one of the better shows I've seen in a long time. Um, some really, really powerful messages. But I think that mostly because the show is about you know, normal people with regular struggles. And, um, and they do some really spectacular things in the show. A, it surrounds a family. They have a lot of love, but a lot of struggles and difficulties. It's really neat to see them, you know, go through all these things, because the directors are just fantastic. They tell the story beautifully, so I'd recommend that show to to anybody. But that also kind of helps me to to set the show up today, because Ian, I invited you on the show. Um, we talked a little bit about it you, beforehand. You told me I'm not an expert, but I've I've said this before. I don't intend this show to be a a matter of expert opinions. I'm not here trying to pretend to you know give. Um, an expert opinion to talk, you know, to throw study and arguments at you based on statistics and, and, you know, four years of theology and philosophy and psychology. 
this is meant to be a conversation of, you know, just normal people, good friends who are bouncing, you know, thoughts off each other, questions off of each other, just the same way that you would, uh, you know, in the office or after church or something, you know, we'd get together and we'd start talking about stuff and we ask questions about, Hey, have you guys, you know, what do you guys do about video games in your household? Um, that's the kind of style of show that I like to to have here because uh, there's so many different things out there for uh, people to resources for people to find on expert opinions. This isn't it. This is just regular dudes chatting about this stuff, and I hope that other regular people will tune in and get something out of it. Um, good. So anyway, video games. This is how we do. Tell me, yeah, tell me a little bit about your history with video games. <laughs> Uh, history of video games goes all the way back to the 80s, right? So No, no, no. Your history talk- of video games. <laughs> Which, yeah, my history go of video games go back to the oh, 80s. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just, yeah, I remember having a Commodore 60... Yeah, we had the Commodore. You know, we had... The first oh, okay. video game that I remember having was the Sega Genesis. Uh-huh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, everybody loved, well, actually, no, I lied. The first one was the Sega Master System. Oh, then yeah. Then we had the Sega Genesis. Look. And then pretty, un, pretty unknown system. Nintendo. No, back then they were very popular. Now the, now the they're master kind of system didn't really live very long. Well, no, well, no, it didn't. No, it did not. So, but, but anyway, it, second no longer second no longer makes uh, they no longer make consoles, but they still make some games. Right. The uh, the fat. So Nintendo. When we finally got Nintendo, it opened up a whole new world. That's when we get into Zelda. You get into these fantasy games. And the strategy that that's where, that was my wheelhouse, and then also the, the game that changed you know most boys, especially in my neighborhood's lives, was Tecmo Bowl. Super Mario, Super Tecmo oh. Bowl. No, <laughs> Tecmo Bowl, nice. Tecmo Bowl, nice. Yeah, Tecmo Bowl. It's a football game. Oh, I know Tecmo it, Bowl. Yeah, it, it, Trust me, <laughs> <laughs> it's really just a you know a rock paper scissors. You had four choices Geek of play. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> But we cheated, you know. You always chose Detroit for Rodney Pete, and you know, so you can have Barry <laughs> Sanders, and either the quarterback would run up top, and Barry would run down, and who could yeah. stop them? So yeah, it's good. Yeah, game, gaming goes a long way for me. Now, as a, as a parent of five kids, it became more of how do we get ahead of this? How do we get in control of this? And what do we do? So me and my wife have different different arguments. I would say to this. Her point is, it's a valid point that should be made is innocence is easily lost. And so it's better to be protective, even a bit overprotective. I'm not going to argue for helicopter parents, but it's good to be protective because it's harder to pull back. So you can't, you can't let them go and then try to pull the leash back. It's harder that way. So, so if you're going to make restrictions, start off making restrictions early. Before we go to the serious stuff, though, let me ask you this. Number one, right. what was your favorite system, and what was your favorite game? <laughs> In that order. My favorite. So, favorite system has to be Nintendo, and favorite game is Legend of Zelda. Hmm. And to be honest with you, I still never beat the second quest. So, you, I, I may have hel- to go get I think the you're, hel- you're hilariously like frozen. Wait, hold on. Let's see if it's just me. So. I'm just going to hold it like this. Well, no, like I can still hear you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You are. (laughs) The Facebook feed has a little bit of a delay, but you're frozen. Like, I mean, with your mouth open, kind of like looking up into the air. Um, 
And now I think you're frozen again. Oh, wait, are you frozen actually right now? Or are you? No, I'm just sitting still. Nope, you're actually frozen. <laughs> so you try to, you try to be funny and keep yourself frozen, but you actually then did freeze. So you're back now. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so uh, I, I never got into the, the Zelda games. I don't, I don't know why. There oh, wasn't really? My favorite I, game. I like the puzzle aspect. Yeah, it's so funny. I don't know why. It just it was never my thing. But um, but I was I was big into Nintendo. That was the first system that I really played on. Um, then the Super Nintendo I loved, and the Nintendo sixty four. That's when I knew what real love was. <laughs> and, uh, so and what, yeah. what was your game on sixty four? Oh man, I love Super Mario sixty four. I was just I could play it all day long. Oh, okay. So I was uh, waiting for you to say James Bond Goldeneye. That's what I well, expected to hear. So that was yes, that was one of the ones that I played most heavily. Um so yes, that's correct. So Goldeneye <laughs> and Super Mario 64. Um I had Killer Instinct 64 as well. Mm-hmm. And uh and that was pretty good. But anyway, um but my you know what's funny, my favorite system and I don't know why, I, I'm not sure I can explain it really well, but my favorite system of all time was Dreamcast. So wow! I, so it doesn't get any love. I know. I know. For whatever reason, it's like a old, forgotten, amazing <laughs> old man with a ton of wisdom, and nobody wants to hear him out. So the Dreamcast, I think it was because the Dreamcast was like so cartoonish, and they didn't mm. go for like the realism and the gore and stuff like that. It was very much like an an ode to the original, you know, um, <laughs> my sister commented gamecast uh which is a hilarious <laughs> reference to um malibu uh, malibu was wanted. wanted yeah there's a dreamcast and a gamecube which one you got um so but yeah i don't know i think it's just because of uh, you know the the innocence of all like the video games they were so cartoonish i mean obviously there was some you know you know kind of edgy games and, and stuff like that but um but for the most part they really tried to i don't know keep it sort of uh, gamish when everybody was going to the realism effect. And um, I don't know. Right. That's why, I guess that's why I liked it. I don't know. Anyway, so right. yeah, now now we can go to the serious stuff. Now that I now when I, I know what kind of guy you are. You're a Zelda, Zelda guy. Uh, that was well, just... No, it was a Zelda and then in 2004 you know, my brother goes, hey, you really need to get an Xbox. I'm like, ah, I, don't, I really don't want to waste my time getting more to gaming. And he's like, no, I'm going to get you an Xbox. I just got the Marine Corps. He was in the Navy. He bought me an Xbox. And he's like, I heard about this game. And he bought me Fable. Now, a lot of people are upset by Fable because it had a lot of hype. And they thought it didn't live up to the hype. What I love about Fable is the morality aspect of the game. And love, love. I love it so much, I bought it again for my Xbox One just to replay it. Because Fable 2 and Fable 3 are nowhere near to the my love for Fable 1. Fable 1 was by far the best game of the three, and the graphics and all that don't compare to the other two, but it's just the way it plays. Hmm. So, Zelda... Is just I, I never even played that. Proceeding into... Oh, Fable's great. I never even played it. Yeah. So, yeah. funny. So, with Fable, you pull out a sword when you're in town, and it makes people panic. <laughs> so, your actions with the, you know, the video game characters, the non-playing characters really has an aspect to it. 
So you pull out your sword. Is it and a, like spells, RPG? Uh, is it RPG? Right. Oh, okay. But so, it's, it's it's a single player game, and you're just you're accomplishing missions. You go on off, and you're create. You have this hero, and he has to go and save the world. And really neat game. And you can choose to be bad. You can choose to be good. You can do whatever the heck you want. And I love that aspect. And there are people who choose to be bad. I am not one of those people. So <laughs> you know, morality yeah, wins I, for me, even in even in games. It's funny. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, I played Bioshock, which was kind of the same you know uh concept yeah you you can choose to be good you can choose to be evil and i I could never choose to do the evil stuff um i didn't even want to you know i mean it just doesn't make any sense like um but you actually bioshock or was a fallout well so bioshock was the one that you could either grow good powers or evil powers kind of like a star wars light versus you know dark force type thing okay i see your argument yes uh, Bioshock was the the Ayn Rand world underwater. The, it was the, the Iranian. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yep, yep, right. Yep, exactly. So um, I never played Bioshock two and Bioshock three, so I can't keep going on with that. I, I don't can't think I did either. It, I, well, so you know what's funny is that this this brings up a this brings up a really good topic that I think a good serious topic we can kind of hit really quick, um, which is the fact that you know some of these video games they do make you feel like you're making moral choices. You know, I mean, it's all virtual stuff. There's no, there's no real people involved. Um, but yet you still feel kind of guilty if you do, if you make bad choices or you, you explore things that um, are, are bad morally, but not true. They're not, they're not physically real either. Right. Um, right. So why do you think that it makes you feel so kind of, so you know, guilty as though you actually are making a, a real bad choice, you know? For me, for me, it's not to say I'm making a bad choice. So people want to live, you know, play games, they want to pretend like they're living a fantasy life, and they want to pretend that this is a character that I can't do these things in real life, but I can do this in this fantasy world. So to take a step further with that, going back to role-playing games, I grew up playing Dungeons & Dragons, and Dungeons & Dragons is another morality game. You can do anything you want in these games. And I'm a moral person. I, I have been, even before, I, I converted to the church in 2007. And before I, even before I converted, I was a moral person. I wanted to do the right thing. And it's kind of a practice what you preach. Baseball players keep practicing certain plays so they know what to do if that play comes up. And if there's two outs, the guy's on second, right? No guy on first, what do you do? You go to first. You don't throw the, you don't throw the third. So you practice what you preach, you practice what you do. And so with gaming, in a way, it's a, it's a way to live out my faith. It's a way to live out my morality. And when I'm faced to make a decision in real life, it's not an awkward decision-making process. There's right and wrong, and it helps me get through that. So that is what, one, of the, one of the aspects I have with our kids. I like games because it makes you make split decisions. What do I do? And... The kids have seen me play certain games. I ask them a question. Hey, here's this problem. What do we do? We have to... There's a great game right now. Uh, so Minecraft Story Mode. So Minecraft Story Mode is a different game. It's not Minecraft itself. It just looks like Minecraft, but it's a storyline. And much like Fable, it's a lot of A, B choices. Either A, good, B, bad. You can make any choice you want, and it, it stops you in the middle of the game. What do you want to do? I don't know. You get to the jail cell. And somebody's left there as a prisoner, but you need to help them escape. The, the problem is you have to leave somebody behind. You, you need to leave the person who's stuck in there 
leave somebody else that's traveling with you or another person who's traveling with you and you have to leave one. But you need that one person who's in jail to stop this great evil. What do you do? And just that little, it's a one question, one question, but it's a deep question. And it made my eight-year-old really struggle with that thought. But I like that. I want him to struggle. That's the point of the game. Right? It's a teaching process. And like, look, we have to make a decision. What, what would you do? And that's what one of the aspects for, the, for video games. What would you do? Yeah, so I, what I think is actually that it goes a little bit, a little bit beyond what you're saying. I actually think that there is morality involved in what you do in a video game. And the reason I think that is because, you know, most, most people look to, um, say, like, pornography, right? And they say, well, if I'm looking mm-hmm. at a magazine, that's not really a big deal. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything to some other person. You know, this is, it's just paper. If I'm not hurting anybody else, it, it shouldn't, it can't be wrong. And when I look at video games, and by the way, if you're just joining, the topic is, is are video games bad for kids? Um, and my friend here, Ian Dunois, is uh, joining me. He's the, what we call a, um, here in Virginia, I don't know where you guys are from, but what we call here in Virginia the video game connoisseurs inside the Catholic Church. Um, <laughs> see, You see the shirt, the Pokemon shirt. The um, I-, I wore it all out for you. Pictures in the back, which are not actually video games. But anyway, so my, my oh, view. That was, that was the homeschool project. Yep, yeah. Oh, well, we got the same pictures, actually. I think those weren't from CCD. No, that was from the. They're from the co-op. co-op. They're from that's, co-op. That's why we have the same one. Anyway, so I I think that you know it it goes beyond the, um, the virtual world. Whenever we're faced with a choice, you know, uh, whatever choice we make in our hearts, they they are very real choices. And when we mm-hmm. fantasize about something, what we're doing is we are training our will. We are. Uh, making a choice, even if that choice doesn't have an effect that we can see physically. Um, every right. so, so, for example, you know the 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 first choice that you make when you wake up in the morning, you know the choice to either, uh, you know, put your alarm down or, or snooze on your alarm, or to get up and you know get the day started with a positive attitude. That choice internally affects the rest of your day. It affects your attitude, right. you know, the the way that you you conduct yourself. Oh, shout out from Laredo to uh, Liza. Thank you for uh, for joining and for and you know, I'm going to throw your shout out on the actual cast here. Um, by the way, Melissa uh, said not all video games are for, bad for kids. I actually displayed that earlier. I agree with you, and that's something that I'm gonna we're gonna also hit. I'm sure, uh, but I I think that you know there's there are real consequences for fantasy and i've never seen fantasy as a separate world like a totally different world it's still a part of our world you know um as a computer scientist i can speak to this and i can you know help to demonstrate how that makes sense right because all of the digital world is information but it's information based off of a real um physical property you know so like for example your computer is shooting uh, tons of little pulses of electricity and those little pulses of electricity are um, you know formed on one end to convey information and then interpreted on the other end to display or interpret that information into meaning 
And so there are physical properties to this, right? Um, no yeah. different than when I see people, when people make movies, actors, actresses, you know, they, they um, pretend to have a romance or they pretend to be enemies with people. But when we watch these movies, just like I was talking about this whole, you know, this is us TV show that Diane and I have been watching that Diane's all nuts about right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, these, these shows, we watch it and it's like, there's, it's a fake marriage. It's a fake adoption or all these other things, but yet somehow it conveys emotion to us, right? We watch it and it's right. not real, but there's a real effect that happens in us. You know, and that's why people get attached to celebrities, uh, because they they feel an actual real consequence of what it is that they're viewing. So when you view something that's you know uh, in, intended to as incite lust, you know, um, some kind of raunchy comedy or some uh, you know pornographic material, there's an actual effect right. that's going on in your body. Your body starts to you know uh, be stimulated. Chemical reactions are actually happening. So it's not, it's not simply fantasy. When, when kids play video games, there are things going on in their bodies that are connecting them, that are attaching them to the video game, but even more so that are helping to train their mind and their spirit. Um, and like you said, in, you know, in, in morality, what do I do here? You know, uh, Minecraft, we just got into that game, actually. Uh, I know it came out in 2009. I've been out of video games for a long time. When I went into college, um, in high school, I was already kind of a little bit crazy about girls and stuff. And so video games was kind of a, I played here and there, um, but, but very little. I, back in the day, I was into Age of Empires. That was back in like my middle school days, I think. And uh, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so into college, I kind of left it behind. Um, when I got married, forget it. Like, you know, video games off the table. Now John Paulo is old enough now where he wants to play video games. And I'm like, well, I can play video games with you. Yeah, sounds good. You know, <laughs> Nice little bonding thing. It's a good excuse to get to actually play some video games because I'm like, well, I'm not just doing this all on my own over here separate from the family. Like I'm spending time with my – because Elizabeth likes to play Minecraft too. But anyway, so we got right. into Minecraft, and, and it's cool to see them building because I can see their gears moving, right? I see – and it's it's funny to see the differences in their personalities – so John Paul likes to build up into the sky, like every time <laughs> he goes straight to the sky and he's building stuff up in the sky. And Elizabeth goes into the ground and she builds like caves and, and tunnels and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and she's concerned with building sweet, pretty stuff. And he's like, you know, he, he uses like stronger colors, but anyway, it's cool to see how their, their mind is, is, um, being challenged and they're learning how to build stuff. Um, and they're, they're becoming very creative with it. Now, right. the moral aspect, you know, there's no moral aspect really in Minecraft, I don't think, um, at least not that we've, we've just been building and constructing stuff. There, That's there can what, be, but that'd be a different way. Yeah, but, but in any case, it doesn't matter, regardless of the video game. That's where things can get really sticky, right? Um, you know, do you, if you're playing a, a first-person shooter game and you have a person, you know, it, what looks to be a very realistic of a human being in your crosshairs and you choose to shoot that person with a rifle and you see their head, you know, blow up and you see blood splat splatter all over the place. You know, is, is there a moral, you know, consequence here? I say, yes, absolutely. I think that something actually is happening. You're, you're getting to, 
in a way you're getting to, to like you said earlier you know you can live out of fantasy with what you think is no consequence right because there's there's no mm-hmm. person on the other end who's actually being killed but the consequence is in your own heart right just no different than when jesus said uh if you even lust after a woman you've committed adultery in your heart and that is where the, the problem lies is you know it's not about the consequences that you see on the other end it's the consequences that you don't see that are inside of you what do you think so it, it would be if the if the first person shooting game where you're shooting them is the end right they die but because there is they die and they spawn back that's where it gets loose so there there's a lot of benefits to play I, i'm not good at first person shooters that's why i really don't play them but there's a lot of benefits to first-person shooters because of the decision-making process you got to do, right? So the the split-second decisions that they have to make in order to do things. And the intent of it all is supposed to be it's a war. So if you if you go and read up on, you know, they just released a new Call of Duty for World War II, and the World War II vets come out and they play it, they say, hey, the game is great. They like that it's bloody. They like that it's so real because they want to point out that we, we want to deter that. So we play, if you're playing the first-person shooter multiplayer game, you spawn back. You die, you spawn back, and you get to try again. In the regular game itself, that it has a storyline, you're storming that beach. You only have limited lives. You lose, you lose, you gotta go back to, you gotta go back to your checkpoint. And it, it gives it a little more realism. So when, you, when they start off that game, they're storming the beach. You're turning and talking to your friend, and you see your friend die on the way, you know, on the beach. You're, you're storming you know, as they're storming the beach, Normandy. It's a big deal, and they want it to be a big deal. They want that story to be told. They want war to be ugly because we want to deter it, and we should want to deter it. So yep. I agree with you. There, are, there are complete moral choices, but is there a great line? So I play Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves is a new game by Rare. It's your your pirate. When I first came out, I'm like. I'm not gonna be a pirate. Everybody else can be a pirate. I'll be a, I'll be a good merchant captain. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna do my missions, and get it done. <laughs> In all games, there are trolls, and they come out and they troll you. So you just have to adapt. Reading the uh, Treasure Island with the kids, Treasure Island, somebody dies every chapter, and what you learn is you have to, you have to protect yourself. You have to be willing to. Here you are raiding and getting you know finding buried treasure and finding this. Merchant goods that you have to go deliver. That's part of the missions. And here comes a ship trying to steal it all. And you see them coming, and you got to make that split second decision. You look at them, you're like, "All right, are they really? Are they good guys? Are they just going to come by?" People wave. There are people who play, and all they do is sail around, sing sea shanties. You can YouTube them. <laughs> they are. They're called the Long Johns. I, I, I always see the videos. <laughs> I never encountered them. The. Uh, but most people come at you, and usually they attack you. But there are times when you see them join in, and we play together. And here we are waving at each other. We play music to each other, and we, we join each other. We could attack each other, but we don't. There's other times you see the ship, and it's coming straight at you. You know what they're trying to do, and you have to open fire to protect your, your goods. So, yeah, the morality question comes, completely comes in, and it's a challenge. But when I first started playing, I'm like, I will not be a pirate. And then here I am. I'm a pirate. Yeah. So hey, um, Harry. Harry, Harry, yeah, Harry LF says, uh, 
asked to jump in. He says they've done studies on violent video games and conclusion is that it doesn't make kids more violent. Lust actually leads to fornication and adulterous behavior. Um, so actually that's, that's perfect timing, Harry, because I'm actually going to invite anybody who has uh, an interest in, in either. So if you comment, I will display your comment. We'll read it. And you know, that can help the discussion. But if you'd like to come on, I'm now posting a link uh, on the page and or on this video. And so using this link, if you click on it, you can actually jump on with myself and Ian. Um, so you click on that. You'll need to either be on your phone so that you can have a, you know, a camera and a, a mic or you'll have to have some a video camera or whatever on your on your PC. So if you click on the link, you'll jump in. And uh, what I'll do is, uh, you know, as soon as you're on, I'll, I'll bring you on and then, you know, you can say what you want to say um, and then exit or whatever you, uh, what have you. And then, uh, of course, again, I'm, I'm also I'm very much encouraging. I want to hear your guys' opinions and your questions. So throw that in the, in the feed section and we'll display that. Um, okay, so to Harry's point here, there's a, I always, I, I, I'm not going to discount any study right so i'm not i'm not talking about particular studies but in general i'm sort of weary of of psychology or psychology studies on kids and then the conclusions of what you know uh them as adults you know and so for example like violent video games do they um harry the the link is actually in the um the facebook feed so it should be right under the video um in fact it's right under your comment so um Anyway, like this, for example, this one that says, you know, the, uh, they did studies and, you know, kids who played a lot of violent video games didn't actually become violent when they were older. I have a hard time with those kind of studies because there's so many factors, you know, the, this is, there's an, it's hard to know what kind of credibility any study has, you know, cause do you like, did these kids only play video games, violent video games? And they didn't do it. There's nothing else, you know, no other contributing factors in their lives that we can, you know, point to that would, you know, uh, dilute the conclusions that they didn't actually turn violent. You know what I mean? Um, so in other words, are the controls controlled or are we just saying like, you know, like, let's take a, a survey of everybody who played video games and are you violent? Yes or no. Or look at all the all the people who commit crimes and try to find out which ones play violent video games. There's not, there can't be a direct correlation. You know what I mean? People who become violent and and do you know violent criminal acts and then get caught. You know, so obviously the ones that we know about, uh, it's hard to just go trace it back to that one thing. You know, oh they were playing video games. It, there's most people have many contributing factors, including you know violence at home. Um, or, you know, having witnessed violence or having, getting in trouble repeatedly and escalating the kind of, you know, trouble that they get into or what have you. Um, oh, uh, Harry, yeah, I will, I'll, let me, give me a second. I'm going to try to send this to uh, Harry during, with a, um, and a private message. So I'm going to send that to you and boom, it's there. Okay. So having said that, I don't, I'm not going to make the claim that a kid who plays a violent video game uh, will automatically become violent. However, I think it's logical to believe that everything that we consume becomes a part of us. 
everything we consume physically becomes a part of our bodies. So you eat an apple, an apple literally becomes um, a part of the the you know makeup of your body, right? You have bits and pieces of apple inside of you that make up the cells of, of your body. So everything that you take in uh, intellectually is it's the same thing. You know the things that we see, um, we repeat. The things that we hear, we learn about. So you can't say that. I don't think you can you can honestly say that they don't have any kind of effect. Now, not all things are, are different. I mean, sorry, not all things are the same. Not all video games are the same, just like uh, Melissa pointed out. And just like Ian was saying, some games are just plain, you know, down, you know, to it evil. And other games might have violent aspects, but they also have other aspects that, you know, um, are actually good. And the, the violence can be appropriate you know what i mean so i would say that the, the sea of thieves thing right like there's there's violence in uh two ships coming to to battle each other and sinking a ship and people going down into the water and obviously like there's an indication that they're they're drowning right um so well, no, you can swim but you could drown well, too okay well i'm just saying well there but there are those aspects so the, i'm not saying that you know um having aspects of life in a video game is bad because death is a part of life, and if you're on a ship in a sea, they're part of the reality of what could happen to you is you, you know, your ship sinks and, and you die, or you get you get hit by pirates and they shoot at you and they, they sink <laughs> your ship, right? So, right? Um, yes. Now I, I've said the same thing about movies. You know, movies. I don't have an issue mm -hmm. with um, violence. I don't even have an issue with romanticism and even sexuality in movies when used appropriately, right? When used to tell a story and used to con convey good um, and to, to have a good impact, you know, they can, they can very, um, you know, a director can, can definitely use things that make us uncomfortable to really do great good, but they can also do great bad with them. And in general, I think a lot of times, you know, movies actually use, use, uh, those kinds of things for bad because generally the more scandal, the more on edge they have you, uh, then the more you know that people tend to throw their money at it, right? Um, right, I agree. So my big problem with Swordfish is everybody talks about Swordfish with its great little plot twist. My biggest problem with Swordfish is they they they, they gloated it. They, everybody talked about it a lot because Holly Berry is going to have her first topless scene, and it was for a pointless reason. She just turns around and looks at the newspaper and you're like. What the heck's the point of that? There, I, right. you just don't need it. They they overdo it. Here you have Thor Ragnarok, which is a pretty funny movie, and yet you have a Hulk butt scene, and you're like, <laughs> why did I need that? I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know that. Thanks. I'm gonna. We were gonna watch that soon, and uh, yeah, I'll look for it. So <laughs> he comes out of a tub, and then, and then they make a reference to to other things. All right. So, uh, Harry is actually here on the broadcast. So, Harry, I'm going to bring... Can you hear me, Harry? Give me a thumbs up. Oh, perfect. If you okay, I'm going to bring you in. This is cool. This is the first time we're bringing in a third guest onto the show. All right, oh, Harry. Right. Oh, sweet. I can hear you, man. Thanks for joining. Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Marcus. You're most... Oh, no, we have a problem. What's what, the what's problem? the problem? I mean, I can't hear either. I can't hear him. Oh. You can't hear him. Oh, okay. All right. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you yeah. what. Yeah. yeah. 
You had to re- you had to repeat the question. I'll tell you what. Yeah, what he says. All right, but Harry, go ahead and uh, I'm going to give you the floor for a bit because um, I know you're coming in kind of uh, toward the beginning of our our conversation on this. So, what are your thoughts? Oh, on violence and video games. Well, we did have a whole scare, and I want to tie it in with guns because it is the nature of American uh, politics and political and cultural discourse that, you know, every 10 years or so we have to find Real a quick, Harry, um, Ian, if you want, you can, on Facebook, you can um, play the feed, but you're going to you're gonna have to mute your mic. You can play it and hear everything Harry is saying. It's a little delayed, but anyway, sorry, go ahead, Harry. That's all right. I'll, I'll let uh, Ian Gun, give guns in America. a thumbs up when he's ready to go. Uh, just go ahead. He's who knows, okay. man. He may never get it. All right. <laughs> well, uh, alrighty then. What I was going to say is, um, you know, it seems to me that about every ten years or so in America, we have to have a new cultural boogeyman. Uh, whether it's video games, whether it's uh, drugs, for some people it's vaccines, um, and now it's. Uh, back to being about guns again you see all the stuff in the news about guns and whatnot i would say we had this scare back in the 90s really starting around the time of marilyn manson albums columbine the whole nine yards and the studies that have been done over the last 10 years or so have found no correlation between video games and violence in other words, it's not like uh, if you have uh, a normal childhood that you're going to watch and play Grand Theft Auto, for example, and go off and shoot up a school full of people. Uh, I think you could make an argument that certain people are inherently at risk before they start doing something, and then that could push them over the edge. That's a good okay. argument. But the problem with oh, yeah. that, the problem there. with. Um, the only thing I would say about that is, is as uh, Ian pointed out, well, then you'd have to ban Treasure Island, too, because there's violence in Treasure Island. Uh, what about Lord of the Flies? Any number of books and movies, <laughs> and, you know, and then where are we going to go with that? You know, I, I don't think you should show Schindler's List to a two-year-old, but it is good for an 18-year-old to see that. And there's a whole bunch of value in that and spiritual value in something like Schindler's List, even if the t- uh, subject matter is really heavy and dark. So, uh, how's my lighting, by the way? I'm in a, my truck here, so it's kind of the light. No, you're good. Bit. You're good to go. Yeah, I mean, okay. I can... Alright, so I would just say, uh, you know... Did you say you're in your truck, or you're... I'm in my truck, yes. Whoa, hold on here. a second here. How How tall is your... Cause it doesn't look like you're in a truck. It looks it's, like you're in a garage or something. Like no, a... this is my truck. This is where I sleep. I live back here. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> wow, look yeah. at that. That that's like a. It looks like you have a super high ceiling. That's anyway. I mean, normally, like you know, cars are like, and you know, the ceilings is like not very. Anyway, I don't know. That's totally random. And it's and... not a Chevy. It's a it's a Volvo full-size uh, oh, tractor-trailer. Okay. That's my job. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been Makes more sense. The last couple of years. That's I got cool. out of uh, doing whatever I was doing before, and yeah, it's been an all right life. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, okay. And I'm, so, okay, I'm, I'm with you. Here's how I see it. Normally, what I see the, the mistake people make is they, and Ian, you can you can jump in on this if, if you want, but let me, let me give Harry the floor for just a second. 
I think people make the mistake of trying to do direct correlations all the time. You know, um, I saw this and so therefore I did that, right? You know, um, or that the reason that person committed that crime was because they saw a movie where, you know, they were reenacting. <clears throat> I don't think it's always so so clear cut, you know, the the effect and the consequence of what we take in, you know, what it has, on, uh, the consequence it has on us. Um, so do you think that there's, there's any kind of influence at all, right? So um, let's just say that, you know, you, you watch Will Ferrell movies all day, every day for, you know, years, you're, you're his biggest fan. Do you start to, do you talk like Will Ferrell? Do you, do you joke like Will Ferrell? Um, yeah, obviously people, people usually do. If you, if you are, um, you watch violent video or I'm sorry, you play violent video games a lot, very often. Do you, do you have a certain, you know, tendency or fantasy, uh, like a tendency to fantasize to, to play out in your mind, you know, certain things like maybe you don't have like an actual, you know, desire to go in and commit crimes or whatever, mm -hmm. but is there an effect where, you know, what you see most often, what you hear most often, and especially what you interact with, um, you know, most often it becomes kind of, you know, the way that you think, like, uh, you know, the, the way that in your mind you play things out. Well, you know, that's a good question because, you know, just because you play something or think about doing something doesn't mean you're going to do it all the way, but perhaps maybe you're going to do something lesser. A quick side story. So uh, when I got out of the army, back in 2009 and was in the Bamsey. Bamsey, mm -hmm. that's how I met yeah. you guys in San Antonio. Yeah. I got out of the Army in 2009. Uh, I spent nine months at Brook Army Medical Center before getting discharged, and they had uh, this questionnaire. Every time you went to a doctor's appointment to get evaluated, they have this questionnaire that was... Uh, I can see Ian laughing. Maybe he's he's uh, got the same questionnaire. Oh, uh, Ian, was, yeah. Ian was in the Marines. Yeah. You know, I think Ian knows where I'm going with this already. It's, uh, they asked the question, have you ever thought about, have you thought about hurting yourself today? Followed by, have you thought about hurting other people today? Oh, yeah. Followed by, have you thought about killing a bunch of people oh, today? And all I can think of was, well, geez, guys, you had us march around for six months in basic training in AIT, singing songs about clubbing baby seals and raping women and breaking mm -hmm. things. Yep. And then, you know, we, you sent us off to war where, uh, you know, we had to deal with people that wanted to kill us and we had to f return fire. You know, uh, it seems a little odd that you would ask that question if I thought about that or not. Of course I thought about that because you told me to think about it. Um, but the now, of course, I've never done any of those things. I've never had to go. I never, you know, went off and took a never raped anybody i've never taken i've never used violence on somebody that was not uh justified i've never uh taken an ak-47 and shot up a school bus but just being trained to think about those things just uh thinking about those things all the time as part of the job changed my personality and uh i would say this last Lent, especially, I have really looked at a lot of things that I was doing wrong. And one of the things I was doing wrong, uh, especially my wife backs me up on this. Verona backs me up on this. Of course, she says, she's always going to back you up on the things that you do wrong. And Well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she said, she pointed yeah. out that, uh, you know, she agreed with me. I am just too harsh with people. 
I'm just way too harsh in my speech and my mannerisms and uh, the way I joke is too harsh for a lot of people. Now there's, I, that's part of, that's just who I am. Part of that's who I've become. And that's not, you know, I can't really sit around and cry about that, but uh, even though I'm not uh, going to go Grand Theft Auto and run people over with this truck, my personality has still changed at some point. So you could make an argument, you could make an argument that just because playing Grand Theft Auto or listening to heavy death metal or whatever it is doesn't make you a homicidal maniac, it might affect your personality in other ways that aren't healthy. That's so actually that's that's exactly um, the argument that I make. So I'm going to I'm going to um, take over for a second and then I'm going to let Ian jump in and see if he actually um, Ian, can you say something and tell okay. me if uh, Harry, tell me if you can hear him. Uh, I'm going to give him like five seconds to catch up. Hold on. Harry. I can I mean, hear him. Uh, I can hear him. Yeah, he's good. Oh, OK. That's exactly. Yeah, so yeah. let's see where he's so at. Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to. There's a little bit of a delay, so I'm going to give him like five seconds to catch up, and then I'm going to let him say something to make sure you can hear him well. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm going to give him seconds to catch up. Hold on. Harry. I can hear him. <laughs> uh, good. He checked me oh, off. Okay. We're good. Exactly. Yeah. You can hear him, Harry? Yep, I can hear him. Okay, sweet. All right, so um, Ian, did you kill the audio? Are right, you good? I, I don't hear the echo anymore. Okay, so oh, good. exactly exactly, you know, what you're saying is is my point, you know, that People always look for an ultimate, you know, um, correlation. And if the ultimate correlation isn't there and doesn't exist, well, then, right, all things are good. And what I think is that, you know, just just like anything else in your relationship, let's put it this way. Both of you guys are married. So both of you guys should understand this very well. If, you know, um, I come home from work and my wife says, hey, how was work? And I'm like, "Mm, good. Right. That little subtle you know, nuanced uh, answer there. I don't even know if that's right to use it. That little, that, that subtle kind of, um, you know, lack of, of normal emotion, she's going to notice and she's going to think that there's something wrong there, right? Mm. If I come home and I say, uh, you know, oh, it was horrible. Like I hated everybody at work sucks and nobody knows what they're talking about. Well, you know, then I'm telling her everything and, and she's going to, she, she would clearly know is somebody playing video games in the background? What is it? Is that you, Ian? It's not I me. Hear, I'm not playing video games today. I hear some like video game music. Look at him. He's he just <laughs> suddenly. No, that's my wife. That's my wife watching. Uh, the <laughs> oh, okay, the sorry. Call the midwife. Call the I'm like, midwife. I'm like, oh, Dan was in love with that show. All right. Anyway, um, yeah. So, so the point is, if if I come home and I tell her exactly what, like, I shout out, you know, this is what's wrong. Well, obviously, she's gonna know what's wrong. But if I come home and I don't like directly, emphatically, and ultimately express exactly what's wrong, that doesn't mean that something's not wrong. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot you know to be said within these subtleties, you know, um, and and in a relationship, in a marriage, two people know each other well enough that they can they can catch a lot of those things, right? Mm. And I think that we look at the general population and we look for these these huge markers, you know, these like, okay, well, if you, um, you know, played shooter games your whole life and you didn't become a mass murderer, well, then you did pretty good, right? You're, you're good to go. That that's not the case. You know, like I will tell you that while I didn't, um, you know, commit murder and, you know, do any kind of 
lavish crimes that would have ended me up in or put me in prison for my whole life when i was young and i was on rotten.com and you know looking at pictures of of dead people and and you know these leaked videos of of you know people killing other people and stuff um that had a really devastating effect on me now that was a very um it was a very internal effect right nobody would have known but a lot of that stuff haunted me Mm. and and, you know the uh it played out in my mind like i would see a lot of those things and i would think about stuff like that and it's not that i had the the it's not that it it gave me the desire to go and reenact it but it did have an effect on my soul and 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 it's be you know not because of that hold on sorry i messed up the uh feed here there we go sorry um it's not so much the the effect that it had on me on you know going to reenact it it's the effect that it had in separating me from from god in many other ways that i ended up struggling with you know when i came to struggle with lust when i came to struggle with prayer and with learning about god and actually believing in god i think a lot of the things that in you know that um i had consumed in my life made it very hard for me to really open my heart you know to accept mercy to to become a better person, to treat people more with respect. I used to be a very sarcastic and abrasive person. And, you know, and I, I can still be very critical of people now. Um, and so I, I'm just saying that a lot of those things came from the personality that was built from, you know, everything that I consumed. And it's funny because now um, every once in a while, you know, and this actually this happens very rarely now because I've sort of learned my lesson. When Diane and I first got married, we were like, oh, hey, let's watch this movie. It's hilarious. This was one of my favorite movies when I was younger. You know, like, yeah, hey, let's watch Wedding Crashers. It's so funny. We start watching it. And I'd be like, oh, Great freak, movie. you know. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, crap. Like, I can't watch it. This is horrible, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, like, even Dumb and Dumber, I see that. Or, like, Ace Ventura. Like, there's a scene where, you know, the freaking oral sex is being performed on him. And I'm like, oh, I don't remember that. And I was watching that as a little kid. And so, again, so, like, this is the stuff that I think we don't really, we don't recognize the effect that it has on us and it's no different than um you know you eat a couple of cheerios no big deal you eat a a cookie here you have a soda there it's not a big deal but it still has an effect on you right um now you can combat that and you can you know sometimes you can you can take in things i watch movies sometimes that are are you know suspect in their morality for the sometimes for the purposes of trying to connect with somebody maybe in, in the ministry so for example um, i went to go watch deadpool not because i really wanted to go watch deadpool so much because i knew what deadpool was going to be about but i wanted to go watch it because it broke box office records right everybody was watching it and i thought okay i need to go and see it and i could uh, if i needed to look away if they're going to show you know ryan reynolds but i don't want to see that i can look away and i can look back to the screen or what have you um, I can I can deal with you know crude and and you know sexual jokes being thrown in my face. Not a big deal. Like I can handle that stuff because of a very firm and um, you know concrete faith. Um, but I I watch that so that I could understand what is it that people see in this. I know that there's something here, right? There's something that people are desiring in this movie, and I need to understand what it is so that I can so I can talk about it so I can minister to people because I I don't want people to come like if. You know, eight out of ten people are like, "Oh, this movie is so awesome." I'm not just gonna sit there and, and say, "Well, you're evil," and you know, you should be watching evil movies like that. I need to know what it is that you like about that movie because it's in every sin. There's a, some twisting of a good, right? There's some good that 
that people are after. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I can't, I don't even remember with Deadpool. I think it was that, um, oh, I know it, it was the, like, uh, like the humanity of the heroic character, you know, like the, he, I don't know, he wasn't so abstract or something like that. I, I think that's, the point is that um, I went to go watch that knowing that there was going to be, you know, issues um, in the movie, but then trying to find the good in it and seeing if I could separate that. I'm at a mature stage in my faith. I can do that. I don't think that's good for everybody to do, though, right? Just like I wouldn't encourage little kids to go and play, you know, uh, first-person shoot-em-up games because little kids cannot handle that. They have not, they've not been formed um, in that sense. I, I don't even want to play first-person first shooter games now, but I can certainly play a first-person shooter game and it's not going to make me into a serial killer. Um, but who knows? If you start a two- or three-year-old, you know, with that, and that's all they do, and you know they have a heavy dosage of that all the time, their whole life. Who knows uh, the kind of effect that that has on them, right? Uh, well, I mean, last thing, real quick, we we are only yeah. actually so this the studies that you you know we talk about having to do with people playing violent video games and and becoming violent. Video games haven't been around that long, right? Uh, some of us are are in our thirties. When we're talking about Nintendo, that was not. That stuff was not the kind of you know realism that we see in Gears of War and stuff. Good point. Some of the kids that we see nowadays, you know, that are struggling. Like we've seen a lot of shooting amongst the young kids. They've grown up since little kids, since they were in their elementary years, early stages, seeing real graphic, violent games. I never saw that when I was a kid. I was in high school by the time that uh, I was like a I was like a senior in high school when Xbox came out and those realistic. 3d games you know that that really kind of you know blend or, or um, blur the lines between like really fake and you know feeling real so how how can we know that you know little kids who are exposed to that um don't actually have the effect where they don't know the difference you know what i mean i'm not saying, there is. A great I'm segue. Just saying i don't think we can just totally dismiss it sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no no no, no. This is a great oh, segue. Ian, go ahead this is a great segue because all media has all, all four. We've had this problem for a long time. You know, before video games, we had Dungeons and Dragons. It's a paper role playing game. It's based on a book, right? People written. People, you know, we had a dungeon master who would tell a story, and we would interact, and we pretended to be characters, and we rolled dice and did things. What do you do here? This is what I do. The nice thing about Dungeons and Dragons was I can do anything. I can be the hero that does always do good, and I've been in parties where. Part is being you, you, you join groups. I have a character. He had a character. We all had characters. And we have some characters who are like, they're completely immoral. My character has to go and block his now because he's so immoral, I have to get involved. So there's, this isn't new. I got you. Let me ask time. you a question. So I, I agree with you. So there, there, you know, there's always nothing new in the world. Everything's always, um, you know, a, a, a kind of reinvention of an old, you know, thing, right? I, I agree with you on that. However, let me ask you this: Can a can a five year old play Dungeons Dra- Dungeons and Dragon? And it, like, let's just say, like a couple of five year olds are playing by themselves. Like they came upon it by themselves. Can they, you know, first of all, figure out how to play? And second of all, is it likely that they're going to, you know, be, become the evil characters and do a lot of evil things? Hmm. So certainly, there, there's always tendencies. And that's why. For me, it's I want to introduce our kids to games because the more we introduce kids to games, we get to teach them how to play, not the I, world. I firmly, yes, and I absolutely agree with that. So, so I'm with you 100% on that. This is a hope. 
this is where parenting comes in. And I, I 100% agree with you that this becomes a, an issue of parenting ultimately. But before we get to the ultimate, you know, the, the it's the parent's job. My issue with, you know, video games, which I love. And, I, and I'm so bef- I, before we end the show, I'm going to give you a little bit of my, you know, firm position on video games and where I stand, um, which might be surprising to you. But anyway, um, here's one of the things I have, I think is a little bit different though, is that video games like a movie, a little kid doesn't have to interact to be exposed to all that evil, right? Like I'm just saying like a five-year-old, if they, uh, you know, stumble upon Dungeons and Dragons is the whole morality of you can be bad and you can do all these really bad things. I don't think that a a little five-year-old is going to, depending on their circumstances, most of them in good environments are not going to come up with all the ideas to do all that evil stuff and, and to go real out of bounds. But a video game that they're just watching, right, where they don't have to actually do much, it's just there in front of them. The blood and gore is just, they're, they're being um, given it, right, rather than having to, like, you know, uh, come up with all of those things. That, I think, is the difference. Can I you jump in here for a Harry? second, Marcus? Yeah, yeah I, here's what I'd, I would like to agree with you on something, and then I'd like to push back on so here's where I'm going to we'll start there. I would agree with you that the medium of video games, especially with modern technology, and you combine that with the VR stuff going on, now they're developing equipment where you can feel getting hit and whatnot. That's what they're trying to develop. It is possible, because uh, Steven Spielberg is coming out with this movie, Ready Player One. I don't know if you saw that. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't seen the movie, I see. I look at what's going on in Japan right now with all these people just locking themselves in their rooms or locking themselves in the cyber cafe and just jerking off to anime porn and just looking at stuff. And this is their girlfriend now. And this is their job to go run around, pretend to be a samurai inside this virtual world. And they're these sick, anemic, depressed little things. You know, these grown men who look like sick, little sad puppies. So they look like little kids. And they're just miserable human beings, completely lost, and they have no ability. They, the, the term in Japan is called hikikomori. Am I saying that right? Hikikomori? Uh, you I got me. I don't know. I, I, I can't. <laughs> I don't I, I'm know. not Japanese. I can't help but say it. But it's a serious problem. And so, again, none of these kids are actually going around and having sex with anime characters or being a uh, samurai and going around killing people. But there are consequences because of the nature of their virtual reality universe and the constant stimulation with electronic technology. That's a little bit different than reading uh, Pirates of the Caribbean in uh, you know storybook form. So I'll give you that. So that, that is an issue that we do need to talk about. But here's where I'm going to push back. It is not possible to be 100% clean in this world. If you're going to go out and work in the oil field, to get oil out of the ground, to keep people's houses warm and keep the cars moving, you're going to get mud on your boots. Everything okay? Did your cat come in the room? Yeah, no, the cat was like meowing because she had to get out of the room, so I had to oh. just open the door. Oh, okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> so if you're going to go out, you got to go out of the oil field to, you know, get gas to, you know, keep people's houses warm, keep the cars rolling, keep everything copacetic. You're going to get mud on your boots. You could say, you know, philosophically speaking, it's just, you know, you, you, there's going to be a need to get dirty, so to speak, some of the time. 
we're not going to be able to, you know, produce babies without having sex. So what's the boundaries with that? Well, obviously the church gives us marriage, so we have to be married and then we can procreate, have sex and have kids. Sex can have incredibly traumatic effects on people and it changes people. You know, losing your virginity, especially for a girl, but for guys too, is not a small potatoes issue. It fundamentally changes who you are as a human being. That's why, uh, you know, if you can be a nun and be celibate, St. Paul says it's better. It's good to be married, married, but celibacy is better. It's a higher form of spirituality because you're completely focused on the Lord. But some people end up, uh, because of their calling, getting married and having kids. It's necessary. And mm-hmm. so the same thing could be said with violence. Well, uh, who was it? Um, there's this colonel named Dave Grossman. He's a lieutenant colonel out of West Point. He wrote this really good book called On Killing. It's about the psychology of killing and so forth. That And Ian knows what I maybe you're familiar with this, but if uh, Ian went through basic rifle marksmanship with the Marine Corps, version, he's familiar with this. In basic rifle marksmanship during training, what they do is all of a sudden the drill sergeants are really nice to you. Hey, good job there, son. You got that target. Good job. And then after you complete basic rifle marksmanship, uh, what they do is they give you a two or three day pass out on the town. So what the expectation is, is that you're going to go out into town, you're going to go visit all the uh, bars and the strip clubs, and you're going to go to the hang out with your girlfriend and your wife, and you're going to smooth her. You're probably going to you know, have sex with them because you haven't seen them in a while. So what that does is it creates this sort of positive incentive, this sort of feedback loop for you to enjoy killing and violence, because now it's associated with pleasurable experiences. The army has gotten very good about psychologically programming people to enjoy killing. And you say, well, that's terrible. How can we have this? This is like outrageous. You know, like that's sick, man. But we need a military. We need people to go out and be ready to go kill other human beings in defense of the nation. And guess what? All those other militaries around the world are doing the exact same sort of psychological programming. It's been going on. Uh, in some for another for thousands of years. And the society, the militaries throughout history that don't program their soldiers to enjoy killing or to at least do it for some sort of higher purpose or cause, those are the militaries that lose. You know, you don't want to have a military where people, A, don't enjoy killing and B, don't have a valid moral or higher purpose sort of reason like oh the muslims are coming over the wall we got to kill muslims now you got to have some motivation to go kill another human being and you got to have a military to provide for the common defense yep so there's so no you're, there's, you're... there's no way to be 100 percent clean is what i'm getting at well you're so you're i mean just because we're we're sort of at the end of the show here um i mean it that gets into a couple of other, you know, issues that we could probably draw out and go for a very long time on, right? Because now we're talking about not just, you know, the issue of video games, um, but killing and in the military. So I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that, um, but I can comment uh, on the, you know, can't stay clean, and, um, you know, I, I the way I see that is there's that's true and a very, to me, a very terrible way to, to look at life, right? Um, it's the same as the, uh, 
you know, you, you can't do a perfect job. So, you know, why try kind of mentality, right? I, I know people at work who are like, you know, I, I know I'm not going to be able to, to do this completely the right way. So, and, and I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but that's what that phrase indicates, right? There's no way to stay clean. What, what else, uh, what else are you saying by you can't no, stay clean? It's uh, well, the, uh, the Greek word for it. And I don't know what the Catholic word for it is. Uh, the Greek uh, monks that I uh, have talked to, the Greek Orthodox monks that I've talked to, use the term economia a lot. And I don't know if the Catholic Church uses that term. Do you guys use that term? Um, not, not that I know. Let's see. Okay, well, economia basically means it's from the Greek word, something along the words of economy, something like that. Anyway, what economia means in a nutshell, and I'm butchering this, so if there's any Greek people watching, I'm terribly sorry for butchering your language and the meaning of your language, and please don't, please don't, you know, please don't be upset. Economia basically means, uh, well, uh, we would like a higher spiritual reality, but this is the reality of the situation. And so we're going to give some sort of economy, some sort of, you know, grace, some sort of help a brother out. We're going to just like let it go a little bit. Um, so, for example, uh, the military, and I know the Catholic Church has this too, there is a sort of agents of the state have a special license to kill. In other words, we wouldn't let a four-year-old walk around with a machine gun and a uniform on, but we would let a trained professional soldier go around and do that. Uh, you know, uh, there's other types of economy where, you know, if you were... So, okay, and, and but here's, here's, I guess, the a more, you know, poignant question. If what you're saying is you can't stay clean, what is the the conclusion there, right? Like what, what, what are you emphasizing? The fact that because you can't stay clean, you know, it's, it's sort of a, a losing battle. No, um, no. What I'm saying is uh, you gotta, you gotta be realistic about what you can obtain. If your goal is to try and help everybody uh, obtain salvation. Okay. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to be, I was just watching the walking dead. I'm at the part spoilers where uh, Negan is uh, going around in his reign of terror, raping people and taking everybody's stuff. Um, yes, it's traumatic that somebody would have to kill a son of a gun like Negan. It would be traumatic if you and if all three of us on here on this channel right now had to go pick up arms and go fight off somebody like that. But you know, it'd be far more traumatic is watching our wives and daughters get raped by Negan and his boys while we're powerless and disarmed. But, hey, we can at least say we didn't have to kill anybody. So that's what I mean by economia. I'm saying that, yes, there are horrible things that might have to happen and there are horrible things we might have to do. But on balance, if you don't do them, there's going to be far worse spiritual consequences for everybody involved. So if, if a person uh, is witnessing an, you know, another evil person raping and, and killing and steps in in the midst of that uh, to stop the other person, and the only way that they're able to stop them is by you know, inflicting a mortal wound on them, are yes. they staying clean or are they becoming dirty in doing so? No, but they're they're making a spiritual sacrifice that should be accounted for. In other words, oh, if, I, if if I stand, I mean, Timothy had. Oh, hey, I'm sorry, Ian. Oh, sorry. Were you talking to us? Yeah, I was talking to you. 
Oh, okay. I'm you sorry. Had the question of, it's it, it, I had you on, you, had question, you on mute because you had uh, the uh, uh, the audio from Arion, and I just was killing the echo. So go ahead. Oh, good. I'm glad you have control of the mic, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard yeah, the more background of, saying, "I'm about to deliver the baby." No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 All right, so the questions come up. You know, we we have this discussion at home, and you know, I, I always try to. I'm not afraid to talk to things about the kids, I, and this is a question we we embraced with the kids. And Tiffany had and I had a discussion. My point with the, to her to the kids was, and I was wrong by the way. I was telling them it's wrong to kill, and she's like, Nah, not always. Because if you're defending life, if you are stopping immorality, then you're doing the right thing. And therefore, it's justified. They lost the life. They gave up their own right to life. So there is there is a moral question of that. So trying yeah. to simplify and saying right and wrong and and killing is always bad. I was wrong. My wife was right. And it's, it's in the catechism. Uh, she just reminded me. Well, very true. But I'm the, the argument, right? So it is. It's, it's a fine line between it all. Yes, we have to be willing to do it. So a great movie, I say great movie because I love it, not everybody does, is Rambo, which is the last Rambo. Not one, two, or three. It's Rambo, number four. Yes. You have a boat scene where he's taking Christians to go evangelize, and these pirates come. And the pirates come, and they want to you know, take the girl. And he, Rambo sees it. He takes out his weapon, and he saves them all. And the leader of this Christian group comes running at him and says, no, you never kill. You never kill. He was, he's abrupt about it. He just refuses. End of the movie. Here you have... They're in Burma, I believe. They're in Burma, and all Rambo is at this point is a snake handler. But he goes in to save them. People were hired to go and save their, you know, the, the Christians who were there just trying to promote Christianity. And all of a sudden, what they found is this corrupt government who's trying to enslave them and trying to do all these evil things. And they're just trying to be free. And the man who was so hard against killing ends up beating a man with a stone to save another man's life. And I love this scene from the movie because that's us. We have mm-hmm. to, to Harry's point, we have to be willing to push ourselves to that when we have to stand up for truth, when we have to stand up against evil, how do we, and how do we embrace that? Yeah, um, so I'm, I'm totally with you guys on this. Um, however, Here's where I here's where we kind of um, oh you have a little bit of the echo again. We good? Okay. I turned it on. You should you should mute me. Well, no, it's fine, man. Yeah, um, I'm not gonna mute you again unless I start hearing again either births in the background or uh, Harry's <laughs> Harry's echo. So um, I I'm totally with you. Here's here's where I think you know it's it's not necessarily a disagreement, but there's a there's a a difference in in words and how I view things and uh, maybe how at least how Harry views it. And I don't know, Ian, because you didn't really comment um, on this part here. But I don't think, like, we talk about a person getting dirty, you know, making a a spiritual sacrifice, you know, taking on, I'm going to go ahead and sin so that I can, you know, uphold a greater good. I I don't think that that's actually the case. So, because morality is based on intention, right? So there's Mm -hmm. there's a couple of things, you know, that uh, the Catholic Church requires for a, a grave moral sin, right? One of those being that you, one, know what you're doing right you understand the gravity of the thing that you're going to uh commit uh and two it has to be something of grave you know matter right it's got to be a grave moral issue 
if your intention is to do good and there are bad consequences, right? You that you can't control necessarily, um, then you're not doing an evil thing. You're not doing a bad thing, right? The, this is the the uh, oftentimes abortionists will will use this, or, or pro-choice activists will use this argument. What if a person in what if a, a baby um, is in the womb and in the fallopian tube, and the only way that they can save the mother's life is perform surgery that will kill the baby? You know, is that okay? Like you you telling me that uh, an abortion in that case um, is not moral or not a good thing? And what? you know, a, a pro-life, you know, person would respond, uh, the way that they would respond is to say, well, that's not an abortion. That's not an abortion because the intention is not to kill the baby. The intention is to save the mother's life. And if the unintended consequence of saving the mother's life is that the baby will die because you, you know, you're unable to save the baby as well. Well, that's not an abortion. That's not murder. That's not killing, right? Uh, th this is the, the difference, I would say, in stepping in to protect somebody's life versus going to take somebody's life, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I am protecting, if that's my intention, my intention is to protect somebody. And let's just say that I can protect them without killing. Well, then obviously that would be, that would be the right thing to do. That would be the moral, um, you know, uh, route. If I could only protect somebody through, uh, you know, a mortal means by killing somebody else, well, that's actually a good thing. That's a just thing, right? You're upholding justice in that case. And so you're not actually getting dirty. Um, now, dirty in the sense of, of your, your spirit there, right? Now, you can say dirty in a, in a physical sense, but that would be the same thing as, again, like, um, you know, if uh, the oil rig, at least, instead of an oil rig, let's say the uh, there was a, a couple of years ago, I think this picture became really viral of this guy um, a plumber trying to fix a plumbing issue outside some woman's house. And he plunged himself into mud water and was all the way up to his, his waist. So his whole upper body um, from his waist up was submerged and he was trying to, you know, fix this pipe. And so the woman took a picture of him and posted it. And everybody was like, wow, that guy has gone to great lengths, you know, to, to fix this, um, to fix this woman's house. He got dirty. He got very dirty. But his intention, what he was doing was he was um, fixing, you know, a plumbing issue. He wasn't simply jumping into the mud to, to get dirty. You know what I mean? If his intention was to go and, and swim around or whatever, like, okay, then he's he's definitely getting dirty in, you know, the, the moral sense there or whatever, right? Um, as an analogy, because obviously there's nothing moral about that. Um, but if you go in to fix a, a problem or if you go in to uphold justice to protect somebody or what have you, um, and what you do has unintended consequences that are evil, meaning that they're absent of some kind of good life, you know, liberty or whatever, right? Um, then you you don't actually conduct a grave sin, right? You you, you don't have to go to confession for for that. No, well, there's I want no, to make agree a with that. distinction here. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead, go ahead, Eric. Uh, I don't. There's a. I, let me be very clear about getting dirty. Getting dirty does not mean you're actually guilty of doing something bad. But clearly, killing another human being or being raped, which uh, again is another example of you're not responsible. You obviously, you can't be judged and held accountable for getting raped. Obviously, you're not getting dirty in the sense that you've committed some sort of mortal sin. 
there's done something terrible that you're going to have to be held accountable. Uh, if you kill somebody in the, some of the legitimate, you know, just causes that we're talking about, that's not a sin. But but it does have consequences on your personality and your being. So agreed. It does make you vulnerable yes. to other types of sin. So that's that's because I, I if we went to a strip club right now, which I'm not suggesting we do. So nobody be scandalized at home because I know wives are watching back here. But if we were to go to a strip club right now and just talk to a lot of these girls that are on that stage, a lot of them will tell you I was raped by my uncle. My dad was never there. You know, my brothers were all in the military and they didn't talk to me and they didn't take care of me and defend me. You know, we'd find things like that. We'd find things like uh, people being severely damaged. And then because of that, that led them to do other things because there was no intervention. So in the sense, even though they cannot possibly under any good circumstances be held accountable for being raped or molested or whatever, it does change their personality and absolutely lead them to other things that's so point. right no okay so that right so now but there's two distinctions there one is evil committed against you right, right. Um, and the other one is you committing evil against somebody else now um, the this is where I guess like I said we're not necessarily disagreeing we're using you know we have some differences in, in the terminology we're using that maybe is causing some confusion um, but the way that I see it, I have no problem with getting dirty, right? That is that is one of part of my ministry is I try to get dirty. I try to talk about things like this. Very difficult. A lot of people don't like to talk about stuff like this. Um, a lot of good Christians will avoid difficult topics. Will avoid bringing up strip clubs and talk about. Um, you know, I I brought up Ace Ventura earlier and the you know that whole scene or whatever. Um, I will go to those areas you know, and quote unquote, get dirty, meaning that I'm not afraid to go into the dark um, and shine some light, right? So I, I'm, I have no issue with that. What I was talking about was the distinction between getting stain on your sin dirty, right? I mean, I'm sorry, stain on your soul dirty through sin um, and putting yourself going into the dark, you know, which I would say is not, not like, I guess you could say getting dirty or whatever, um, it doesn't matter. The point is that anytime that you go into the dark, um, you're going to be attacked. And so mm-hmm. you're right. Your personality could be affected, but your personality is not affected um, in the same way that um, I think the same way that if I make a more uh, an immoral choice right now, what's happening is my will becomes affected. Mm. Now, if I put myself in a position where I'm trying to do some good in a very dark place, then what happens instead is now I'm being attacked, you know, by evil because of the good that I'm trying to do. Right. It's, it's the same as let's say, um, you know, like if, if I'm a military man, which I am. And so this is why you also hear me kind of avoid some of the things that you guys are saying as you know, prior military guys, you can go full force and say what you want. Um, being a current military man, you know, I don't speak for the military on behalf of the military. So you'll see me kind of, you know, shy away from um, saying certain things that that I know that I, I need to just uh, avoid. I'm not scared of saying what's on my mind, um, but I also just have to be careful that I don't try to represent an organization that I'm not trying to represent. You have anyway. a wife and a mortgage. We understand. Yeah, I'm not scared to lose all that for, for doing good. I'm just not going to lose it for being stupid. Right. Uh, so. The uh, but anyway, let's just say like as a military guy, right? You go out into the field, 
and you do something immoral, right? Like, I don't know, I whether it be killing somebody or you go rape somebody or you go steal some money or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then now you come back and now you're dealing with the consequences of that in your heart and and the like internal conflict of I did something bad and the, you know, remorse, feeling guilty, having to feel like you, you know, need to say sorry. Like there's there's a lot that you're dealing with in your own will um, versus if I go into a community where there's some really bad dudes and I go walk up to those dudes and I'm like, you need to leave these people alone. Now what I did was I put myself in the spotlight, right? I've put myself in between these good, innocent people and these bad guys. And I've let them know I'm standing in their way. Now they're going to come at me. Now, if they come and find me, you know, and, and beat me up, if they come and steal my stuff, if they try to terrorize me, then I'm not dealing with the, the, um, you know, the same issues, right? I might be dealing with, um, some, some consequences, but those are very different consequences. Me doing something to somebody and harming somebody and having to deal with that conflict internally versus me dealing with, you know, fear or anxiety or whatever else, uh, you know, loss of, you know, limbs or something. They're very different. And I think there's a distinction there to be made um, because in one case, you can actually become fortified and your your moral spirit can actually be, you know, become strengthened through defending good and, and innocent people, especially when you're being attacked. The other case, you you don't, right? You don't like the darker, the more you go into intensity, when you make a bad moral choice, you don't become strengthened as a good person unless you're doing something to get out of it. And the other side, you the situation become become more and more and more intense and you can actually become, you know, more and more miraculously, you know, courageous and, and do some pretty amazing things, even if there's some, you know, evil consequences. And I say, again, evil as in, you know, getting beat up or getting shot or being terrorized or being tortured. All those things are, are evil, um, but saints can actually shine in those situations. Nobody can shine in a situation where they make a bad moral choice and they're having to deal with that, right? So that's that's the only kind of, I guess, um, distinction that I was making there. So let me let me bring Ian in uh, to the conversation and uh, we'll give him three seconds to, you don't have to wait for me to finish saying one, you know, five, four, three, two, one, Ian. Just go ahead and jump in. When, when you're talking, I'm... Uh, I'm together with you when harry talks i have to catch up oh yeah 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 you're right you're right sorry oh i see yeah, so you when just, you're speaking i'm just fine um <laughs> he's like they're like waiting five four three i'm ready now <laughs> yeah, tag me in tag me in yeah hit the buzzer so the uh sin yeah sin definitely hurts us, holds us back and does things for us but it also helps fulfill our story so I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but Paul the Apostle of Christ is in theaters, and I it means it's, it's worth watching. It's worth watching, right? So Paul has to—he's in jail, he's a Christian, and he's retelling his story to Luke, and he's telling his story. He's saying, you know, I deserve worse than this for all the harm I've done. So here oh, he is, this, this individual who—oh, we lost Harry. Yeah, but go. Yeah, keep I see, going. I see the, I see the back in. He's got the link. So go ahead. Oh, good. So he's like, the, you know uh, what? Get these guys. Ah, <laughs> uh, he's back. All right, the, he's coming. Go so ahead. The keep story, going. you know, the, good. The story of Paul, right, is that he he started. He was one of the people who caused the, the first martyr. Stephen was martyred because of Saint Paul, 
And in the movie, it presents this. And it presents the others he martyred. You know, he went out on the road to Damascus to martyr more. So, yes, evil is out there. We're going to be confronted with our evil. And the, the great part of being, you know, religious and, and Christian and Catholic is that we can say we're sorry. So, going back to media, so we went with, video, with the movie of St. Paul, the other being video games, what's so wonderful about these shooters and certain other ones is we do get to stand up for the little guy. We do get to stand up for people. So, you'll find that there are people who are really bad at video games. They like to play. And although there's no rules set, we can definitely go in and help out a guy and protect him in a way. There's a game called Fortnite that's out right now. It's a first-person shooter, but it's more like Minecraft. You take that material, and you can build things. The game is made so that it, makes, it funnels everybody, and it makes people go to a certain area, and it's going to make you forced to fight. But you don't have to fight. You can play the whole game as a pacifist. I, I played it, and I'm a horrible you know, first-person shooter. I can't fire that well in, in a video game. But in the game, I just play it. I'm up, they see me, I'm down, and I build my little, my little huts, I hide really well, and I move on. And you see other people get in a gunfight, and a guy's, you know, a guy's cornered. You can jump in there and help him out. Now, more than likely, he'll turn around and shoot you, but the highlight is these are the lessons that you can do in video games. You can teach people to defend others. So in Minecraft, you can team up with other people and say, hey, you walk up to them and like, hey, you want a team? And you can team up. In, in Minecraft, there's, a, there's, a, there's different mini-games much like, they call it Hunger Games, they call it, it has many different names. But you go out, you find weapons, you find a sword, a bow and arrow, and you go out and you fight each other. And so you can team up with a guy who doesn't know how to play and teach him how to play. That way he becomes a better gamer, and hopefully he enjoys his time more. So video games have this ability of teach people to work as a community, as well as being competitive. Right In sports, you have the same problem. You have the guy who will just bully a guy and keep him down. And you have an opportunity in sports to go, hey, I'm going to help build you up and teach you how to play the right way and be better. You know, in softball, you know, slow-pitch softball for Christian leagues, we bring in anybody who will play. You don't play? That's all right. Just come on over. You don't have to be an expert to play. We just want to build that community aspect. It's the same thing in video games. Yep. All right. Um, Harry, I'm going to give you one more uh, chance to, to offer some thoughts, and then we're going we're gonna to cut out. Oh, cool. I get the last word. So excited. Well, actually, no, brother, I'm going to get the last word after you. <laughs> I'm taking I'm just going to uh, You know, if we're saying, if the topic matter is, you know, if the final, if the real, the real discussion here, we've gotten on to a whole bunch of things, but if the real key thing here is, uh, should we as believers uh, use video games as a medium? And especially... Should we have a special uh, set of concerns for uh, first-person violent games? Should we have a special? I'm back. I'm you good? <laughs> Do we have a special concern for somebody keeps calling me? You knew that you were gone. Yeah. Somebody keeps calling me. Uh, should we have a special concern for violent games that we've talked about? Gears of War, first-person shooters, Mortal Kombat, whatever. Um, you know, drawing back to the real, the real nexus of what we've been talking about here, I am still going to say, uh, it depends. 
It depends, and I'm going to go with Ian, that it really depends on what kind of person is playing. I think we can all agree that uh, a five-year-old should not be playing Grand Theft Auto. But I don't think that means that there are uh, other games that don't have redeeming value despite their uh, the graphic nature of their content. So uh, if you have a game that has violence, uh, rape, murder, but uh, and so forth, but the point of this game is to be a good person, to do the right thing, uh, in the face of great evil, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, otherwise, what we're going into, we're going into the weeds philosophically. We're going to have to start going down the list. Where do we end the, draw the line with that? It's a slippery slope. Are we going to ban uh, Schindler's List now, too, because uh, the prison guards are sadistic jerks? Are we going um, to start cutting into the lives of the saints? Are we going to start censoring stuff uh, from the church about, you know, because like we, <laughs> we got people getting, you know, St. John the Baptist got beheaded after uh, uh, basically a stripper on the court asked uh, the king, I want St. John the Baptist's head on a platter, you know. Are we going to start cutting that story out? Or are we going to allow... Um, people to have a more sanitized version of the story. And as they grow older, we'll let them know the full story. You know, you got to think about when you, when you say we can't just make a blanket statement about, we shouldn't have all any, uh, excuse me. You shouldn't make a blanket statement about, we can't have an entire genre of things simply because some of their content is awful. We have to take it into context. That's all I have to say. Yeah. So, no, good points. And um, you'll often hear me not make blanket statements about things for those very reasons, because this is why I like to do this show. I like to actually talk about these things and explore them. I like to invite different people who have different opinions um, and different insights and so on and so forth, because uh, these things are not supposed to be, you know, a, you know, sweeping statements that just solve everything. That's not, that's not how really anything works in in the world of morality um, because it does depend very much on circumstances. So you, you stole a lot of my thunder there, but that's okay. Cause I, I can, uh, I think I can maybe add to it. Uh, my thunder is pretty strong. Garth Brooks style. Oh, you think your thunder's strong. <laughs> okay. Ooh, so, um, but anyway, um, no, so yes. So circumstances morality. are everything, right? Uh, the, um, it always depends, but there's there's definitely things that you can you can make blanket statements for. There's you know for good, and there's things you can make blanket statements for bad. Um, and then most of the time, when it comes to morality, the topic of the show was are video games bad for kids? It's always mm. dependent on circumstances. And so here's how I see it: video games are a medium, right? Just like anything else, just like a book, just like a movie, uh, any any medium has the capability to transmit great good or great evil, um, some amounts of good, some amounts of evil, and so on and so forth, right? It's always an issue of humanity. Morality always is an issue of humanity because it has to involve humans, right? The, it, a book on its own um, doesn't have any kind of moral value. The moral value yeah. comes from the person who wrote it or the person who reads it and interprets it or what have you, right? Um, what you do with material is what defines morality. 
morality always has to have a subject. <clears throat> There's no such thing as morality when it's involving an object only. Um, even a computer here, if the computer is running by itself, um, doing its own thing, artificial intelligence or whatever, there's literally no morality involved um, other than maybe the developer who initially wrote some stuff, depending on what his intentions were. The morality comes in as soon as a subject is involved. Um, and I would say the same thing about video games. And this is why, you know, I'm not going to just say, um, you know, blanket statement, video games are bad for kids. And I'm not also going to uh, conversely not going to say blanket uh, statement that video games are good for kids, right? Because it really depends. I think, though, I will always lean on material being good and the good that it has, the ca the capacity it has for good, right? Just like, like you know, sex, um, movies, and anything else, right? If you can draw out the good, most people, I would say pretty much anybody can easily see the bad in any kind of situation. We got a little baby there in the, the background. So... <laughs> um, it's so easy, right? At work, I tell, I often tell people this, that uh, either work for me or I work with, it's so easy to see the bad in everything and anybody can do that. And if you can come into a, a workplace, especially for a new person, if you can come in here and you can point out all the things that are wrong with this area, then, I mean, hey, good for you, but you're, there's nothing special about you because I can anybody can do that for me here. But if you can come in here and you can find some good things, especially in the, the areas, you know, where everybody sees the bad, then you're a very special person because very few people can come into a, a hostile environment or an environment where nobody wants to work there. Everybody hates their jobs or everybody hates their manager. If you can come into an environment like that and find something good, something to be happy about or positive about, then there's something very special about you. And I would say the same thing goes for, you know, um, the arts and movies, video games, for books. Um, for anything, you know, we sometimes, you know, homeschoolers, they don't want to attend their kids to school because they are, you know, they hate public schools and they don't want their kids to be tainted by public schools. And we don't do that. We send our, or we homeschool our kids because of all the good that we, you know, can do in homeschooling. Um, but we also recognize that there's great good in public schools too. Right. Um, and so I see video games the same way I see anything else. It all depends on what you do with it. Right now. If a video game has the intention to, to you know, just explicitly um, take advantage of our, our lust for, you know, experiencing death and gore and whatever, I don't think they have any value to them, to be honest with you. Call, Call of Duty, you know, is one of those ones where I, sh I would struggle multiplayer. I mean, maybe you can, you can argue the, the first person. Most people don't actually, yeah. you know, play a whole lot of the single player mode the you know where you're actually going and conducting missions or whatever um and and originally originally call of duty was pretty good at this the the later versions now um are like black ops and stuff like they you know they i think they've gone far away from trying to put you into an environment you know world war ii world war one type of environment and help you understand what what it was like um now it's it's just it's all it's deathmatch right and so if the only objective that you have is to kill people and to kill as many people as possible, and there's no, you know, other real objective, then I would have a very hard time arguing that it's valuable for anybody. I'm not going to say that, you know, that that's going to make a bunch of serial killers. I don't care about that. Right. I don't think there's any value for you. And I think that, you know, you are going to introduce things into your heart and your soul that are going to make it very difficult for you um, to not just to stay clean, 
but to be a great husband, to be a great father, to be like, to excel in those things, you know, so many people just focus on the not being in the dumpster, you know, like, well, if it, as long as it doesn't make me a serial killer, I'll be fine. I'm like, okay, if that's the kind of life you want to live, then go ahead. Um, but the kind of life that I want to live is I want to excel at those things. I want to be the best husband I can be, the best father I can be. And anything that's going to hold me back from that, um, I'm going to challenge, right? On the other side, I think video games, like Ian said, can do great good for kids um, in certain areas like Minecraft. You know, like the way that it helps these kids to learn, um, first of all, hand-eye coordination. Secondly, you know, the creativity that's in some of these games, building things, problem solving, um, and maybe even the areas where it introduces an element freaking cat's hair is flying all over my face over here um so maybe where it it uh introduces an, an element of morality and helps the kids to actually develop and build you know moral characteristics i would love to see like video games created by good solid catholics where um you know there's there's that moral element and they choose to do good and they're kind of like rewarded and they can build and then like the the bad things they choose not just like in killing and stuff but you know, other bad decisions or whatever have some consequences and then um and then it somehow like has like a character who who teaches the kids like here's why this you know bad stuff happened i don't know i think that there's great capacity for video games to do those kinds of things and in fact i'm in the middle of of writing a book on technology and why i think technology actually reveals God to us and why we're so obsessed with it right now. Um, but here's, here's another thing that, you know, I'm going to end the show with, right. Um, it absolutely is every parent's job to monitor this and, and make sure that they introduce uh, things to kids as appropriate. Um, I don't think that kids should be very young, should be introduced to uh, games where they have, you know, there's a, there's a moral kind of element and they be on their own. Uh, if, if there's any kind of moral element, you should probably be sitting with them and making sure that you can jump in and explain stuff and answer questions and, and help them to navigate it. Um, because, you know, if, if they accidentally keep choosing the bad and you're, just, you're nowhere to be found, you might as well be putting them in front of, you know, um, TV and letting them watch, you know, eight o'clock uh, soap operas or whatever, right? Um, I, th I think that it can be done right I like with our kids, we, you know, we got super Mario totally like awesome game. There's, there's no, I have no issue with letting him play the game and walking out into the other room. Minecraft, same thing. I have no issue with him walking into, uh, playing there by himself at five years old, maybe at 10, 12 years old, you know? Okay. Then those, I, I don't know. I don't have a specific age in my head. I'm just saying that as a parent, I need to weigh whether something is wholly good for my son or my daughter and is going to help them to build the kind of, you know, uh, characteristic skills that I, I want them to help build, you know, honesty, courage, and all those other things. Um, or if it's going to make it more difficult for them, I'm not going to introduce anything that's going to make it difficult for them until I've helped them to build the foundation. You know, um, it, that's, that's one element. The other element is I, I have an issue with people who, use you know as an excuse the capacity for good to do things that they know that they shouldn't be doing right um like let's just say uh the whole you know strip club uh example people who if you go to a strip club and you're like well i'm coming here because i want to pray for that girl right there and i'm gonna i'm gonna watch her intently and as i pray for her this entire time that's all i'm doing is praying but yeah okay well you're you're obviously using that as an excuse 
to indulge, you know, in the things that you you're not supposed to be doing. And the excuse is, well, I'm, I'm doing this great good here. Right. I think people do that with video games, too. I think that they say, um, yeah, but look at the good that you can do here. And yeah, there's a lot of bad in it, you know, but I mean, look at the good, too. Right. I'm only here for the good. There's there's situations like Minecraft. Um, you can easily argue like Minecraft is not designed to um, to be a game that that introduces you to a ton of evil. Even if you go somewhere and people are doing really bad things, they're you know they're on the the mic and they're cussing and they're saying vulgar things or they're building vulgar things and um, whatever, right? Like that, uh, you know, people are screwing up the game and you can go and avoid that and do good. To say like in Call of Duty, like well. You know, like I'm, I'm here because I'm like killing the Nazis is is a good thing, and you know, so all I'm doing is killing Nazis all day long. I don't know that you can argue that. That's I think that's an excuse, right? Like that you're not actually building any moral character if you're learning about the Holocaust and and you're trying to, um, you know, understand what how the Nazis got into power and all of those things. Like, okay, yeah, you can you can easily say you're trying to learn lessons from World War II. I don't think you can say I'm learning lessons from World War II if you're simply playing, you know, uh, Call of Duty Deathmatch. But it's very it, it, so. I guess the the very last thing I'll say is <clears throat> it's very very much contingent on each person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if if a person has a great struggle in any of those areas, you know, great struggle with depression or violence, um, a is very far away from God, you know. Um, then those things will have a more devastating effect than a person who has a very formed faith, you know, so you two talk about this, but you're also able to, to really compare or, or to, to weigh against what you know in your faith and, and, you know, your journey and, you know, from coming out of, I don't know about actually Ian, I don't know um, much about your story in here, but, but Harry and myself, you know, being deep into a hole and then having to crawl out of that hole um, gives its own graces and, you know, that, that journey, mm. the strength that you build in your character, um, to come from there to where you are now helps you, I think in many cases to combat the things that would affect other people much more uh, in a much more devastating way. And you have to take that into account, right? Kids don't have that. And I think we can say blanketly for kids, you have to be extremely careful. Um, at the 18 year old, you know, level, uh, you should, be mature enough, I think, um, to start understanding how, you know, to, to better form yourself and and to protect yourself and not worry about, you know, the, the dark areas of life that you have to interact with. Um, as an adult, now your job and your responsibility is, well, how do I help others? You know what I mean? I, yes, I still have to worry about myself, but I have to worry about myself far less than I have to worry about four other kids, you know, seven, six, and three and you know two years old uh in age so anyway um no no blanket statements here i think video games can be good um and obviously you can do great evil with them as well it all depends uh i i know i did say this lastly but i just remembered something i wanted to say there is one big difference that makes you know um it's 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 subtle but it's huge and this is something that i think um you know, we could probably have a whole, maybe a whole nother episode on because I'm. this is part of what I'm writing in my book. I think the difference in video games that is not new, 
Um, but you know, the, the devil tends to jump around, right? Like once we, we sort of, we struggle greatly in one area, um, and we conquer it, then something else becomes a big struggle. Um, humanity just has that cycle, right? The one thing that I think is, is very different about video games that has to be considered with, with great, you know, serious and careful contemplation is that in a book, you read the book and yes, it talks about death, you know, gospel of John. I mean, uh, the gospels talk about, uh, John being beheaded, right? Um, so there's death. There's, there's a lot of, we t- it talks about evil. Um, so kids can hear that. And yeah, obviously that's, you know, that stuff can, can, um, be pretty, um, I don't know about grotesque, but, but pretty, uh, crazy, pretty serious stuff. Right. The difference though, with video games is that you're interacting, right? And if I hear in the Bible that John got beheaded because he did this, um, I hear that and I'm thinking, wow, that's, you know, that's, that's crazy. But if I'm presented with a choice to kill somebody, I think that there's a bit of a difference there. I, me having to interact, even if it's just pushing a button, right? Me having to interact and push a button, make a choice to actually do something, then becomes a little bit different in the world of fantasy. And I, this is where this could be a whole nother show, but I think it's worth kind of considering that that subtle difference might be the difference maker in again, like why I think, um, say call of duty is way more devastating than reading a book about world war two or watching saving private Ryan. Right. Because in one I'm taking in the information, um, and I don't have a choice. Right. And another, I have a choice. I cannot kill this character or I can kill the character. And that's all on me where all the other ones are totally on the movie or the book. So anyway, um, I, I really, I think we could keep going. I'm sure you guys probably it popped into your head other things that you'd want to uh, say, but mm. I I had a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed um, you guys being on the show. So Ian, thanks for, for being a, a last minute fill-in. Harry, thanks for jumping in, man. That's awesome. I, I, I really, uh, I've been looking for people to, to jump into the show and, you know, so many people are scared, I think, on Facebook to, <laughs> to dive into these things. Uh, but you guys really made it a worthwhile show. You had a lot of fun. I, really uh, I keep having to, to mute Ian, though. We're going to have to get his mic and speaker stuff working so he can play well with the group. But um, anyway, so, yeah, thank you guys for joining. Um, it, you guys made it a great show. I hope that we can do something like this again in the future. Maybe I'll email you guys or, or message you, and maybe we'll plan to actually uh, talk about some other topic. Or we could do a part two, right? Definitely. Thank you so, so much for having us. Yeah. All right. Cool. Ian, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Take care. All right, guys. Anyway, so yeah.